Welcome to On the Way with Tony Chris. Each weekday, Dr. Chris will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Chris. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is Podcast 152. Today, we're going to find our way back to God. For those of you who have lost your way, what's really happened is you have lost your sense of God's presence in your life. Now, that doesn't mean that God is inactive and that God is not with you. But the reality is that many times we lose the sense of the presence of God. So how do we gain that back? Well, I've talked to you about sin and losing our way, but really what I want to do today, no matter where you are, even if you really feel like you're on the path to God, file this one away. You'll need it one day. Because you see the way that we come to God and get a sense of balance again, a sense of wholeness a sense of God's presence and direction is we have to come into his presence. And there is a ancient pathway that is always the same for any child of God. It is always the same. No respecter of persons. You see, when Moses went up on Mount Sinai to receive the law of God, while he was there, God said, these people need to understand how to come to me. And so he laid out a beautiful picture, the picture and the pattern that is in heaven. The real tabernacle and the presence of God, the Holy of Holies, is in heaven itself, the very abode of God. But he said, I'm going to let you have a small model of that on earth so you can understand the way back to my presence, so that you can understand that when you've lost your way, you can always come back to center if you will just come this way. And so he gave a tabernacle, a portable worship center from which all the camp was to set up around it. It was the central part of the encampment of Israel as they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And it was the design that God gave to David that he handed to his son Solomon before his death that was the same pattern. Yes, it was more ornate, more beautiful, more splendorous and fantastic and spectacular, but it was nonetheless the same path that always leads to the presence of God. You see, you had a great door, and that door was only one. It was singular, and you had to walk in the same way everybody did. And the first thing you had to do is deal with sin. You had to deal with the sacrificial system. Because, you see, it's impossible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. Only God can do that, and he can only do that through a perfect sacrifice. Man sinned, and God spared his life. But he said, I'll provide a substitute for you one day, another man, one that will be your kindred, one that will come, but he will be more than just a man. I will have to come and pay the penalty for myself. And so Jesus was born in Bethlehem with one design in mind, and that was to live in perfect obedience to his Father in heaven, become the impeccable, perfect sacrifice for sin, and that he was. He died as a substitute at Calvaria, at the place of the skull, Golgotha. And it was there that he bore the brunt of the wrath of God, and he became the sin offering for all of mankind, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And many died, all died in Adam. 
The Bible says that those who are in Christ Jesus, all who are in Jesus, they live. By the death of one man, then all die. And those who receive the sacrifice of God's only son, God's only one-of-a-kind son, then all that are in him live. And so the sacrifice was confronted as soon as you walked in the door because you could go no farther without the shedding of blood. That represented the perfect sacrifice of the Son of God. But then as a man walked even toward the presence of God and to dwell with him and to see him and to see his glory before he could do that, even on the path to God, he would defile himself. And so God set up a mechanism. He set up a beautiful laver, a wash basin to where you could bend over and look into it and you could see a reflection of yourself and you could see your own defilement and your hands and your feet would get dirty, even walking the path to God. And so God said, before you come into my holy place, I want you to have clean hands hands, not just a pure heart, but clean hands. And so he made a way for a priest to wash his hands and cleanse his feet, just like he's made a way for us. Why, it was John the Apostle, the youngest of all the apostles, who said, if we confess, if we agree with God about our sin, that we are defiled. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and listen and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then you can enter into the holy place. And as you entered into that golden room, polished gold would be shining and the flickering light of a beautiful seven branch menorah would give light to all the room. And as you look to the left, you would see that menorah and it represented the light of God's presence. And of course, that is none other in bodily form than the Lord Jesus, who said, I am the light of the world. It was to be trimmed every day. It was to be trimmed in the morning and the evening. It was to have the oil refreshed. And then as you looked across the room through that flickering light, you would see the symbol of God's sustenance and his provision, the bread that was the holy bread. And Jesus is the fulfillment of that. He said, I am the bread come down from heaven. And surely he is, and he sustains our life, even on our journey and our pathway. He is our sustenance. He is that which we gather in the morning, and it does us all day. But you see, you can't eat today off of yesterday's bread. You have to gather it every morning, just as God says. You can't store it up. You see, there's no seniority with God. We walk with God second by second, moment by moment. And when we do not do that and we begin to be disobedient, we lose our way. Remember, we're going on the pathway back to God. And as a man faced and said, I'm going to go into the presence of God, there was a great veil there. And before that veil was a golden altar. And that golden altar had incense that wafted up toward heaven. And it uh, filled the entire golden room, that holy place, with an aroma, a sweet-smelling aroma that God himself designed and ordered. And behind that thick veil, so thick that no man could tear it, Behind that veil, a place where no man could enter, there was the great ark, the chest that had the tablets, the pot of manna, and the rod of Aaron that budded. And all of those, 
As wonderful experiences as they were in God's provision, they were a marker of the sin of men who had lost their way, the broken law, the challenging of God's authority with Aaron's rod, and the not trusting and lack of faith of God's provision even in a desert place. And God says, I can't see man like that. So he covered it up with a lid. As a matter of fact, that lid is called in our language, the mercy seat. That means God does not give us what we deserve. You see, grace is all that God does for us that we do not deserve. Mercy is all that God withholds from us that we do deserve. And so God put a mercy seat on it. And he said, I'll meet you there. Now, that was in the tabernacle. And on top of that mercy seat, there were wings of cherubim. A cherub on either side would be looking toward the great presence of God, where he said, it's there on this mercy seat. When I see the blood, I'll meet with you there. And so that's what happened on Yom Kippur once every year. And God guided his people so in the nighttime they could rest and have fire to guide them so they could see when they needed to do something, when they needed to attend to something. And during the day, he gave them a covering so that they could be sheltered. What a blessed picture of God's relationship with us. He guides us in the night in the darkest times of our lives, and he covers us in the brightness so that we will not falter in the bright sunlight of his presence. And so God made a way, but we lose our way. How do we get it back? Well, the psalmist said in Psalm 61, Hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, that is, when he had lost his way, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. He was out and he could not find any way back to God. He said, for you have been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. Now listen to this, verse 4. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. As a matter of fact, that shelter of your wings is not the picture of a hen sheltering her chicks, no. Some of the newer dynamic translations translate it the way that it should be, because it says, let me live forever in your sanctuary, safe beneath the shelter of your wings. What was he talking about? The shelter of your wings? Well, he was talking about the wings of the cherubim where God resides. And so he says, I want to dwell in the Holy of Holies in your presence. And so this is what the psalmist cried out. This is what David cried out. I want to go where you are. I want to see you. I want to know you. I want to know your ways. I want to see not just your hand, but your face. Now think about this, what an awesome sight that is. And you know, if you know me, I don't use the word awesome, but except in relationship to the work of God and the person of God himself. But you know how awesome that would have been in that tabernacle. Can you imagine? I cannot. How wonderful it would have been in the temple. You see, Solomon didn't just put cherub on the top of the ark as it was. No, no, he brought that in. But to even emphasize more the protection of God, he had two 15 feet 
tall angels. That's as tall as a backboard of a basketball court. Far beyond that 10-foot goal, it went beyond that up five more feet. And the wingspans were 15 feet of each of the great cherubs that stood there guarding the glory of God. Seven feet would be the side of one wing, and the other wing would be seven feet on that side. And the same thing on the other side. And when a man walked into that temple and he walked into that veil, he saw the shelter of those huge wings where God said, there's where I will meet with you. Now, that's exactly what the psalmist had in mind when he said, I want to dwell under your wings. Where was that? That was in the tabernacle. That was in the temple. And under those wings is the place where God said, there I will meet with you. I will show you mercy. Have you lost your way? Are you right now down, discouraged, depressed? Then make your way to the laver. Be cleansed. Do you need to go to the place of sacrifice and be saved? Then run there to him. God will show you the way. It is the only way. It's the Jesus way. Make your way into that place of cleansing and then go into the holy place and see the light of God and the glory of God and then eat at his table and smell the wonderful incense and the sweet-smelling aroma of his presence. And as you pray to him, you can go boldly behind that curtain because it has been opened up now through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And you can see the glory of God there, and you can walk in with clean hands and a pure heart and abide in that tabernacle under the shadow of his wings. May God help us as we walk on the way to make our path back to God. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCRISP.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.